Welcome to the Deconstructing Data Podcast. I'm Jesse Lezak, CMO at BDEX, along with co-host Joshua Morgan, customer advocate at Drift. Of course, typically BDEX's co-founder and CEO David Finkelstein is typically here, but unfortunately he's dealing with the damage caused by Hurricane Ian. Our hearts do go out to everyone impacted by the devastation caused by the hurricane. Um, in David's place, I'm excited BDEX's CTO, David Wellborn, who we call DW here at BDEX, is able to join and step in as co-hosts. Um, so thank you so much for being here, DW. Um, you know, I know, we did a podcast with DW. So if you go back in our earlier, like maybe our first, second, third episode, we have an entire uh, interview with DW. So I highly suggest going to check that out and hearing about his background, because that is definitely interesting, too. But thanks again for being here, DW. I'm happy to be here. And finally, today's guest is Sharad Varshney, founder and CEO of a data governance platform company called Oval Edge. Um, technology headline puts him in a list of 50 successful Indian entrepreneurs in the U.S. Um, before creating Oval Edge, he was a principal architect with Hortonworks. Um, and early on in the career. So prior to shifting to computer science at all, Sharad, you studied nuclear engineering, I was reading. Um, and so it's really great to meet you, Sharad. Um, you have a very diverse background and we look forward to learning from you. Um, we appreciate you being here. Could you please just start from the beginning and tell us your story? Um, you know, how you came to where you are today, a little bit about your company and um, how you guys are helping people there. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you, DW and Joshua, for this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, my, um, I'm computer, I'm a nuclear engineer by my engineering degree, and uh, went to the computer science field because just uh, I love computer when I was dealing with it, and it was in 2000. So it's been 20 years now, more than 20 years. And then after that, I started working in um, various nuclear power plants to implement um, their asset management software, uh, which is for maintenance management. Then I got bored with it uh, in over like 10 years. And then kind of after that, I moved and switched into the data career. And I realized that, okay, maybe something to do is in going into the data field is maybe more exciting. And when I came into the data field, I kind of like looked into this. This was, um, you know, in 2015, when I realized that uh, maybe 13 is the right time when I, was going through this field and realizing that this field is just so new and there's no proper principles are there comparative to when I was in the utility industries and the nuclear utilities industry. There was a lot of principles around governance, around everything needs to be done properly and the data is kind of is what wild west. So we realized that how much, how important it is to kind of create a, uh, you need to have some sort of a structure in the data field. And that's why I founded the company in 2013, kind of to, to do this more with the, with the data and implement and, and put some sort of a structure into the data. So that's where I started the journey. And, you know, it, it went through a lot of ups and downs and, you know, as if every founder goes through it. So, uh, you know, um, kind of in the meantime, I was kind of figuring it out and that, going through a lot of downside, I would say, rather than upside. But in 2018 is when we have kind of acquired a funding and we started scaling the company since 2018 to, to now, like four years, we are kind of like scalability mode. And now at this point of time, we are like 250 plus people organization globally and kind of like growing uh, more and more. So that's the little bit journey about me. And again, thank you for having me in this podcast. 
Wow, that's awesome. Um, man, it's super great to meet you. Appreciate you sharing that and being here. Um, you are the first person that I've met that has a nuclear engineering background. So this is a you know, new one for me. So I love it. Um, if you could like, um, data governance is kind of a new term um, that like, I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. So if you could talk about kind of what it is, why is it important? And, you know, what should the viewers know about it that they don't already know? Yeah, so I think that this term has been there around for a long time, like I would say like 20 years, but it's coming up now because even the data was not very, you know, fancy words before that. So as the uh, as the data is getting more and more, more and more important in, in everybody's life and also the companies are realized, started leveraging more and more data, they are figuring out that how do I leverage the data? So, so for example, let's say um, you have a or you have data sitting in ERP systems. You implemented uh, various, say, procurement system. You have over the period of time you are implementing various things, and data is getting created there. Um, now it's the time has come to optimize these, optimize your supply chain, optimize your patient operation, uh, optimize anything you want to optimize. You need data. So when people are, and on the side of this, what is happening in the Amazon and Google, they have shown that what the data can do. Like they have, like if you see the amazon.com is successful because of data. Your amazon.com versus mine looks different. While if you go to any other website, they look same, right? Because they are leveraging the data to personalize that. So how are they able to do it while other companies are not because they were again the pioneer into a lot of technology. They they did it, but also uh, they are kinds of outsourced the technology. And now the technologies are available on the mainstream. Uh, the technologies like Hadoop, which were started early on, and then there is a lot of big data technology like Snowflake, Redshift, uh, you know, BigQuery. To uh, you know, there are a bunch of um, you know. AWS, Microsoft is coming, everybody's coming up with a bunch of technology where people can leverage data, more process the data. So the technology is there and uh, people are trying to do something with it, but they don't know how to because they are, they are hit by various things. A, the data is not trustworthy. They don't know whether this is the right information or not. So then as they're trying to leverage this information, that's the problem they're coming up with that, uh, okay, is this the right customer information or should I either do somewhere else? Because it's, it's, it's also there in the HR system, it's also there in ERP, it's also there in various systems. Which one is the right, which one is wrong, we don't know. And can I use it or not? Legally, can I use it or not? That's also is a problem sometimes because the regulators, when the customer, when the data was sitting in the application, it was very easy. But let's say that there is a law which, which the European Union puts into it and that say if somebody lives in Europe, you cannot use his data. Although that there's one database which sits on in the USA platform, which is sitting in the USA, but it's the European country, European person. You now, how do I know this is a European person? I cannot leverage this. Suppose you process it, you're violating the law. The data in France have different zone than Italy. There is a different laws are there, but then not only that, there is a uh, the country locationality is not different. Different. GDPR laws, but also there are a lot of banking laws. Like suppose you are a banking financial companies. If you are reporting something, is this the right re reporting information is there or not? 
have you corrected everything correctly or not so there are various issues around the management of the data right so how do you manage it so the deal with all the issues around that to kind of leverage it this is a, the term data governance is not the term it's generally people are um, companies are creating a department for data governance that okay this department or this organization structure or sub organization would be responsible for for ensuring all the data is working properly and that's what the the need for the data governance is coming up what we generally call it drivers of data governance like as the more and more analytics is the one of the biggest driver but also like uh, because they want to leverage and consume the data to do more good with the data but in order to do this you have to navigate all the paths to it right um, it's good that i can go from place a to place b but i have to stop on the you know they have to lay the road but i have to stop on the red light i have to do various things as well so just like in the data also you have to follow certain principles and that's why the field of the data governance has came up and that's why we created the product but the the field of the data governance is creating it's that's the reason uh, the more and more demand is also there for data governance interesting yeah so prior to the show dw you were mentioning you know it's not a term you typically use um so I'm curious in terms of your perspective here on data governance and looks like you're on mute by the way DW. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> we have a lot of noise over here. Um, yeah, no, I, it, it, you know, and also something else we were talking about and um, beforehand was was having a common language and uh, naming things is very important. You know, uh, giving things a mnemonic handle is very very important in order to uh, communicate with others. I'm sure uh, a large part of what Sharad has to do is actually educate people as to what governance is before he can even tell them how to do it, you know? And, and uh, a lot of people like, like myself probably have, have the light bulb go off and say, oh yeah, I, that's kind of what I've been doing, but I just didn't know what to call it, you know? And, and without having it clearly defined, well, then you don't address it properly. You may have to do it halfway or leave some holes in it, but uh, looking at it as a, a complete discipline uh, 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 will uh, provide a lot more value uh, uh, to those who actually do it. Absolutely. And Sharad, backstage prior to the show, you were also mentioning, I can't remember the name you gave it, but you said you had, you know, three sort of tips. It was integrity, something, and access. Which one am I missing? Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. I would say, so I would say that there are three pillars of the data governance. Uh, one is the data literacy. The second literacy. is data quality. And yeah, the third quality. Is data how access. can I forget? That's so yeah, important. Data access. Yeah. So how does it work? Is that like say the objective of data? So when you are creating a data governance group, uh, they have certain objectives. The objective is providing the high quality, trustworthy data to everyone. Right. That's their objective. They are going after. And so in order to achieve this objective, um, they need to make sure that like people should have right access. That means that. The data in uh, countries, the locationality, the policies around data access has properly been written, right? So there is, there is a, not only the PII data, which is a privacy confidential data, because of the law you have to protect it, but there's a confidential data. For example, your salary information, the law is not protecting it. You can give it to everybody, but it's not in company's interest to give each other, people can see each other's salary, right? The same thing is about revenue number. Maybe they are a private company. You may not want to disclose the revenue number. Uh, maybe, and then also, what about the lead amount? Like, so, so the something, okay, the, like, for example, suppose you have a deal and it's okay to get out one deal per person. Like, that's okay. 
if somebody if the sales people know some deal amount that's obviously they know it but you do not want people to know the whole sum of the all the deal because it becomes confidential information because i can i can project what will my revenue number would be because i can see all the deals in the pipeline so so those are the various policies you have to write in order to manage the access and those policy written is this comes under the access management of this then the second is the data literacy literacy means exactly as dw said that uh, you know having the right definition to the thing uh, to the data we call it um, i will give you a very recent example of like uh, twitter reported that our fraud rate is 5% less than 5% and elon musk said that okay i will buy a company for 44 billion dollars this is very good and then after that they said that okay by the way how do you calculate your fraud rate right, right. and yeah. and since so oh, we surveyed 100 people and out of that five found <laughs> fraud i said oh that's not the the definition i was imagining of the fraud rate like like fraud rate is there but your definition versus my definitions are different and there's a communication problem between that and that communication problem is lead down to a billion dollar lawsuit now they they are, they are trying to work it out because of that's that's the, they're trying to find the loophole or whatever it is mm-hmm. but there is a problem because of the data literacy when the term defined do not have the right definition to it although there are a lot of terms when you report to secs they are very well governed very well when secs tell you what is the revenue what is the total revenue how do you calculate it and that's where you need to have a data governance program to calculate all the way to the source because this this ultimately you are reporting the final number but the number comes from various balance sheet various information which collect the company collects and imagine if you miss something in between or you didn't report it so the lot of financial um, fraud has been committed in the past where you do not report properly and then after that you can kind of you know make lot of money in the if your company is public or or you can trade so those are the areas that the literacy is very important and you start from the key data element from there and then you move forward to a little less key and the second is the quality or the third one of this is is all three are equally important the third one is the data quality when i say that like the data is clean nice you know so you can you can enhance it better you can kind of there are a lot of null values are not there oh, when yeah. i say something uh, you know uh, the quantity the quantity feel actually represent quantity not the price the price actually represent the price it's when i say unit price unit price is actually unit price price not the list price so the quality of the data is everywhere is is a big big topic always so how oh, do we, we ensure can, the data quality we can yeah. talk data quality all day right dw <laughs> i mean we you know it's it's part of what we do um is we help we have proprietary software that helps make sure that people are targeting actual people um in their ads and you know re- improving their return on ad spend by not targeting bots and fraudulent um you know twitter accounts out there um so yeah i mean it's a huge problem and it's costing marketers advertisers a lot of money um so it's a really big topic i don't know dw anything you would want to add on data quality yeah well in in, in our world uh, uh, data quality has has a different like slant to it maybe than than like a internal uh, data use uh, like a large company might have but um uh, in our case our data is our product it's not to help improve our other product that we're making whether it be cars or or other stuff is or website that sells something we actually sell the data so uh 
any improvement in that quality has has a direct bottom line impact, and and um, it's not as intuitive as you might think because um, we get paid on volume, and so there's there are many data companies that are happy to give you stuff that's less than stellar if you're paying um, this these these um, you know volume uh, um, CPMs that's cost per thousands. Uh, we decided years, uh, was it three years ago now? That we, you know, we we were going to uh, sacrifice volume for for quality just because it was the right thing to do. We wanted to have the name BDEX associated with with data quality. We thought that was more important than actually the next sale. Um, and so uh, we expected for a short time maybe a hit on 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 income. And uh, surprisingly enough. The exact opposite happened. The same people who were buying from us ended up ordering more because it had such a good impact. They said this is worth it, and they didn't. We no longer competed on price, you know, but on value. And so that's um, it's it's, it's eye-opening experience, really. So I'm kind of curious, Sharad, you know, on your three pillars. So um, where does data culture fit in? Where would you put that with all of under data governance? Is it so, all the pillars? Uh, so those are the three pillars. But the, now, in order to facilitate those areas, right? These are the three objectives. I would say, in order to facilitate these objectives, you have to change your data culture. You need a technology stack. You need a, uh, you need a tools. You know, so there are various things you will need in, the, in that area. Uh, so that is comes under the enabler of to facilitate the data governance. Data culture is is key component of that. Uh, especially the culture driven by the people and, you know, the, and how do you understand? It's, it's a more of like literacy word, but in the quality also, you need a culture and literacy also. And, and uh, the access is kind of like policy and you draft it and, you, and the tool can manage it. But in order to do the data literacy and quality, the, both the culture is highly important in that. Um, as well as, you know, uh, building new data products, you need a, a good culture, a good culture which can understand the customer, understand the product, understand the, the data, you know, mm -hmm. um, all three things people need to understand, then only they can build a new data products. Um, it's the, the time has gone where people can say, okay, here is the requirement, build a software for me. Uh, data products are not built like that. You need to know what the data is. And that's why it's, uh, uh, you cannot hire a consultant, for example, uh, to, hey, uh, like, for example, you can hire a consultant to build the software for you, right? But if you want to hire a consultant to build a data product for you, it would be very difficult because they actually need to work with the data you have and you need to provide what exactly really it is because it's sitting in your database and only the subject matter expert knows what exactly it is. You know, they need to understand that and they need to do it. So it's very collaborative culture is needed. You cannot... That's where the, the importance of the data and the governance, everything is there because culture is a key pillar of key kind of glue to kind of glue things together. So, so, so you would say that, that the data governance or this, this methodology that, that you um, employ would actually enable the rest of the organization actually use the data. Is that yes. what you're saying? That's exactly. So the, 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 what we are preaching is, is that you need to have a data governance group. They, the governance group basically will preach about data literacy. And literacy is like telling everybody what the data is, what kind of standards they should use. And when everybody is literate about the data, then only the, the, you can start building a new data product. 
because then the business people talk with the legal people, we talk with the data, they are aware of what information it is, what we really have, what we do not have, what we need to buy from BDAX, what we need to do something, right? You need to bring all this information together, then they can build their new data products. A new data product can be a recommendation engine, can be a, a, a some sort of a, a machine learning model which can predict that when the patient is going to die, for example, or patient is going to be cured. Cure. So there can be a variety of use cases and, and the use cases are unlimited. Whatever the company is, right? So, so it's a company is a, uh, we had a patient company, uh, kind of a healthcare company, which was predicting how their um, kind of like um, their appeal reduction is going to happen. So they were kind of, uh, they are projecting that, that if they, they file the claim to, to, to the claim department, to, to the insurance company, when they file the claim, sometimes the claim get denied. And this company's whole responsibility is they claim that our claim denial rate is less than 6%. But when they implemented the data governance program, the claim went down from 6% to 3.5%. And now that's a direct value to their top line because now they can say that if we have implemented this data governance program and now we can, we can do less claim because they are predicting that when um, something is going to go down. So they're creating a better business model, better, better model to predict that what is going to happen if I do it, if I fill up the claim correctly. So there are various use cases in, use cases after use cases are there, which can kind of create the value of the data. But you cannot create those use cases until unless you have a data culture, until you have a data, clean data, and people have access to the data. And that's the methodology which we are talking about. Well, I mean, I didn't think that, you know, one topic would take us already in 25 minutes in, but I think it's a good time to transition to data management trends, if you guys don't mind. Um, good stuff on data government governance. Um, but Sharad, could you please talk to the viewers about data management? You know, first, I guess, start from the basics to explain, you know, what data management is and work into some of the trends that more seasoned professionals might appreciate. Yeah. So data management and data governance kind of go hand in hand, right? Um, when we talk about data management, we are talking more about like storage, where the data will be stored, where it will be uh, kind of like, uh, it, will be, uh, it will be kind of processed. So these are the various areas people are thinking about managing the data altogether. Uh, governance comes around the policies, et cetera. Like how do I manage the policy? How do I manage the quality? How do I change the cultural shift? But the management is about like physical, uh, okay, uh, how would I store the data? Where would I, I would process the data? Where I will provide access to the data? Uh, you know, so the security of the data is a big part of the data management. So this, all these things are, you have to do uh, in order to do the data management. And that's where the companies are, uh, companies want to do the data. Like they want to do data management and data governance together to kind of make sure that they can do it, right? So that's the one thing which is people are realizing that they, they have to do it. Now, what the trend is happening is that there are a variety of ways earlier people thought that they can do analytics. So earlier thought people was that, okay, we will put all the data at one place, which is a big data store, and we will process all the data there and they call it data lake, right? So that is what the one trend which was going on like till so far that you put all the data at one place and kind of like after that start managing it. Then the second trend, which is now coming up, hey, by the way, it's, it's too much data movement is happening in order to put data onto the data lake. What about if we can keep the data wherever it is? 
right? Keep the data wherever it is, but connect with the data catalog. And we provide data catalog as a part of our offering. But um, connect this with the data catalog and do it uh, virtually. Virtually in the sense that, okay, people give access to the data through the data catalog and let them do what the data they need. And whatever the data they need, just point only that much data to the data uh, lake or technology, whatever is needed, like Snowflake or BigQuery or Redshift or something like or Synapse, whatever you put it there, and then process it and then analyze it. Right. So that's a, a second set of requirement, which is kind of a, a trend is emerging, and people started calling this as a data mesh. It's kind of creating a data mesh ecosystem. That's one of the thing. And then then other companies like Gardner is saying, by the way, that this this whole concept we calling is data fabric. Now, what is the difference between the mesh and fabric? Again, different methodologies to work together, but the data mesh and data fabric, they both are saying that keep the data wherever it is and glue it with the data catalog, right? Combine this with the data catalog. While earlier trend was put all the data into the one place to analyze the data. So this is the something which is like quite a bit happening in the space of the data management, data governance altogether combined. And, and where does the governance fit in? Where does every, the, 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 whether it's a data fabric, whether it's a data mesh, they both have a specific framework that how do you apply in order to, to manage it. And, but, but ultimately the companies will choose what is right for them, what is common sense for them. And again, these are very, very vaguely defined terms. It does not have a very standard business practices, right? It's, it's it, or very bit defined guidelines. It's 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 even vague uh, that even the because I have read quite a bit like GDPR laws, etc. Th these are very specific. This one is way vague than like you can even think of it. But it's it's a conceptually keep the data wherever it is and start analyzing it and glue this with the data catalog, and after that you start. Uh, you know, give the self-service platform to all the business, establish data literacy, establish the pattern for data quality, do this, and then you start managing it. So those are the, uh, the trend which I see which is happening in the, in, in the marketplace. I am wondering why, um, why we haven't, somebody hasn't or people haven't come together because you have, depending on where you're at, you've got all these, how you can use data and like what, you know, the ways you can use it, depending on where you live, what country you're in and things like that. So why have we not come together and, and just like said, okay, France does this, Germany does this, United States does this, South, like, why don't we just have a standard set of best practices just to make it like it, to me, it feels like it's making it more difficult than it needs to be. And I understand that people will disagree and stuff like that, but there has to at least be at the heart of it some truth on what is best practices and and what is is not you know and what is honest and what is you know where the integrity is and so why have we not come together and said this is kind of the universal set of best practices or standards that we want like across the board when does people agree always if the people agree then we will not have any war we will not we will be <laughs> happily ever after right <laughs> this is a fundamental question about human Ugh. human are not we're so imperfect we yeah. are and then if we were perfect then <laughs> this is this is what you're saying is the ideal world i wish we could have it i wish our philosophy is the main philosophy then our competitors say no to choose my philosophy now there's nobody will take their philosophy even like i come from the nuclear utility 
even there is nuclear there is a nuclear utility regulatory board even maintenance people they always like oh okay do this that way they are trying to influence the utility board in the common maintenance practices and and oh i will create a preventive maintenance procedure they will say no 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 we will create it we will create ad hoc procedure there is no best practice there's there's no best practices the one best practices we agree upon it is the credits and debits right you think about it in the accounting a common sense person will not write if you ask your 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 son or something hey by the way i took the money from this can you report it he will write it okay he took the money from me he will not write it he credit this one or debit somebody it's not a common sense but this is a best practice now commonly adopted but took like years 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 to figure it out and happen so i think the same thing will go with data governance i think there is a it will take by the time we will create a common practice i think we will be much more mature i think the common practices will be evolved by softwares mostly uh, if you think around it now that there is a lot of maintenance maintenance practices a lot of invoicing best practices has been created because the software has allowed and the some merger and acquisition and sap and oracles of the world and again they both are differs but they kind of like merged into it so the same thing the software companies will again start doing this we are creating this our competitors are also doing it they're creating their best practices do my way they're doing they do their ways and some people whoever will be successful or i don't know whether we will be successful or not and like depending upon like multiple companies are doing multiple vanner and there may be multiple successful companies there in 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 some areas there is a lot of merger acquisition happen in some areas still there is a lot of um, like a uh, lot of trends which we are doing like for example um, there is a no uh, one uh, a ticketing system right there is a multiple ticketing systems are there there is no like invoicing system there are multiple are there and at least more than 10 and there's a more than 10 business practices are are there in 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 every kind of software you choose it and everybody configures the software their way also and every software say that you can configure my way so every organization is different and it's just human are different and that's imperfection of human makes it hard i would say <laughs> but there is a attempt is going on to do this and we are working on that area but the problem is that uh, some people will not accept it like most people have their own ways of handling it i got gotcha. you as soon as i said that i thought that one world data it's it's the end time we need to work on our global data culture yeah. <laughs> yeah it is difficult even the european did the very good thing the whole european union consolidated and say this is a one law gdpr um uh, in us we have started seeing the problem like you california came up with the uh, with the ccpa now nevada is starting so the fed is saying maybe we should pass a law but it's mm-hmm. not yet passed by the us mm-hmm. so there are different states are trying different different virginia is writing the laws as well um so other countries are, states have started writing it and imagine that 50 states have different kind of laws oh man it's hard to manage it hopefully they they agree on and and they write a law which is like central but california always been like the initiator with most of these kind of things so they have, the law is in place like more than 4 years now yeah yeah i get i guess california at least is getting us marketers and advertisers prepared for what could come you know for the rest of the country um dw what Is there anything on data management you would like to add before we move into the third topic? Oh, I I thought I was muted. Uh no, um 
he's he's he, he's right uh, about the whole data lake and data mesh movement. Um, I've that's becoming basically passed me by for the most part. Uh, uh, it's 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 very hard to um, have a coherent. Uh, you know, uh, system when you have it so so spread out. So you can have islands of functionality around these, uh, which which would work work fine. But but uh, we I've always ended up worrying about about uh, you know where do you draw the line? You know how much freedom do you give people to uh, to access this this data? Data hidden behind a a, a wall isn't of much value to anybody. Uh, but then um, letting people access it directly. And you know, uh, join it with with another uh, a, a source of information on the reporting thing that they're doing, and and, and they have, uh, and they end up projecting billions of dollars in uh, revenue just because of a, a wild mistake, you know, and they go running to their manager saying, "Hey, check this out. We're going to make a lot of money." Uh, well, obviously that's a mistake, but data has to be in a way that is safe to use, and it's not just from a, a security point of view, but it's also just from an operational point of view. You know, um, you don't want to have to do the queries for everybody. You know, you want to enable everybody to self-serve, but there's ways of organizing the uh, data in a way that uh, makes it very difficult to uh, make these wild mistakes. And um, that's my only real, uh, you know, feedback about having uh, uh, federated systems everywhere. You know, you just glue together. You have to be very, very, very careful with that. Definitely. So this is always my favorite topic. Josh, take it away. All right. So what are the what are your favorite tools in in your tech stack currently or in the past that you've used? So in order to build the data ecosystem, obviously one of the favorite in my which is Overledge is obviously because we are selling the software. So that's the, the key pillar for data catalog and doing the data quality kind of uh, writing the data quality rules etc cetera, etc cetera, that those are the things of the overlay you can do it then uh, you need a a data warehouse kind of tech tech to kind of store the data right um, again in this is a lot of competition going on between snowflake redshift bigquery databricks versus azure synapse those are the four or five big competitors and again, those are so big. Every company is quite big right now that um, I, I wouldn't, because we partnered with everybody, I would not choose one of them over that because it's just all are pretty big, all have pros, plus, and minuses in that area. But those are the, the key players in, in this space. Then, um, then you have a visualization tools. And visualization tools is, uh, again, Tableau, Power BI, uh, you know, those are the prime player. Uh, then you have, uh, you know, Click is another one. Again, those are all our partners. And again, people, customers choose, and we have overlay create connectors to all these different systems to connect everything together. Then you have ETL technologies. ETL technology bring the data from source systems into data warehouse and or or wherever it needs to be. Uh, you know, in that there is a, uh, you know. Uh, Matelian is there, Fivetran. Those are new companies and new comp emerging companies are coming up, as well as the old technology companies are there, like um, like IBM, like Informatica, like um, you know, those are the various talent. There are various ETL technologies out there as well. 
So those are the bringing the data from source systems into the system, right? So there are, this is what the technology system look like for anybody to build it. And then overlay sits in the middle or it's the top kind of, kind of uh, governing every part of it, monitoring every part of it and kind of glue things together, right? And then um, you need some sort of attack to write your AI models, right? Uh, when I, people are writing in Python or people are writing in Spark, those are the two most languages people write in their business, uh, kind of like uh, model to, to build the, the AI. And SQL is the key of everything. Like SQL is the one of the key technology, which is uh, tool or language, whatever we call it, is used to, to really value the, build the products of the next generation. So those are the, the I would say that the typical tech stack, what I'm seeing across to build any data platforms. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, we have six quick minutes left. If we wanted to um, mention anything about the um, article we had planned. So, you know, our fourth topic, we always try to choose a current event. So we found one around modern data management and it was about, you know, it was from IT Pro. I'll put the link in the comments, um, but an inside, uh, inside an auto chain's pursuit of modern data management. And so it was a story really of um, digital transformation. And so just like to get, you know, the everybody's take on that story and anything that might stand out to you. Sherrod, I guess you want to, I'll start with you if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I think that, um... The trend which is happening about you know the digitization or digital revolution or or whatever we, we, we the word we are giving it right uh, ultimately what people want to do uh, you know people want to put bits and bytes on every uh, thing what we do and do digitally right that's the ultimately we what we are trying to do. Uh, whether we are walking from place A to place B, earlier that was not known. Now we are putting in this bits and bytes. We are tracking. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know. One of my friend is a big fan of, he keeps all the time Apple Watch on. So he's tracking, oh, how many hours I sleep. Earlier you're sleeping and now you're tracking everything. So everything <laughs> is getting digitized. Mm -hmm. And since we are getting digitized, there's a lot of data, right? And that's where the digital revolution is happening, digital transformation. So that every organization is also, also changing. Like I know that a lot of retail organization, earlier though you buy things, you do things. Now they, people are buying digitally, people are buying online, people are buying differently. So you need to support that, you need to enable them to, to do. So the, every organization is going through the digital transformation. They need to understand that how things need to happen digitally and how can they transform their organization? Especially like, like I know I came from a lot from utility companies, right? Even they, like they are very secure companies. If you think around it, like there is not much competition. If there's a Georgia power, they have the contract. There's not much if you think about it, right? Um, um, they are very secure companies. They, they could provide good dividend and everything is, is, is good with them. But even they are thinking like, how can I use even, you know, the data or the digital transformation. And they are thinking around in the area of how can I collect the data from the machines and how the machines, which is the new word coming with IoT, how can I can optimize my maintenance procedures? How can I optimize my, how can I, how can I do maintenance sort of every three months? Can I do four months, five months? That I can save some dollars there, right? And I say, because they are, their charter is, their customers is their charter. 
So they want to save the money for them rather than doing unnecessary maintenance, right? So, so they are also, uh, every organization is thinking, on, and other side, there is a retail, which is highly competitive. Health here is highly competitive. Banking, super competitive area. So they have to digitally transform. On the other side, there are companies which is less competitive, but they are also thinking about digital transformation. They have to. Otherwise, they're realizing that they will go out of business uh, because there is a competition anyway, anyhow, it's there. Uh, and if in order to compete, uh, you have to reach a transformation and digital transformation starts from data. I don't think it starts from anything else. Uh, putting all the tools and technologies is not the digital transformation. It's putting this, measuring, collecting the data, and after that, start optimizing it. That's what the digital transformation is. Amazon is probably the front runner in this area. That's why they are, you see that how much optimized, how much supply chain they have optimized, everything they are optimizing to the level that they're able to serve their customer way better than probably other competitors cannot. Definitely. Yeah. What might you add to pick on you, DW? No, I was just uh, listening to him and, and uh, uh, pretty much agreeing with everything that he says. I mean, he made some notes here to, to add, add uh, uh, to it. But uh, what you're talking about is uh, basically companies have realized the need to be data driven. Uh, in, uh, without data, I've, and I've been in these meetings, we all have, you know, we have you know, 20 experts sitting around a table and uh, they're trying to solve a problem and nobody has any data. And all you hear are, are you know, out of 20 people, you hear 21 opinions, you know, uh, but, but, but you walk in the room with actual hard data, the conversation changes instantly from uh, trying to decide, you know, uh, the, the what, and it jumps to the how, how are we gonna use this to, to fix the problem or uh, improve a situation. So that's the power of data. And that's what we're talking about. And uh, to that end, a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, uh, companies will say, well, we got to do this. And then they run and say, well, let's hire some data scientists. And they stick them in a cubicle and, and uh, give them an account on Amazon or Google or whatever and say, go crazy, you know. And, and they're like, uh, they're surprised when they don't see anything come out of that in, in six months, you know. Uh, you have to always ask yourself what it is you want to do with the data. So if you're in manufacturing and you're, you have tons of data on the average weight of koala bears in, in Australia and you're tracking this, you know, it has nothing to do with your business, you know? So why are you doing that? You know, so it, it's a bad example. Maybe I, I love koala bears. I would probably do it. But, but the, the, um, the, the fact is, you know, what are you trying to measure? What are you trying to improve? Usually that's what the discussion uh, comes around uh, to is like, what are we trying to uh, improve upon? Well, then you start saying, well, what would be a KPI around that? What data would be needed to support this? And that's what this article also alludes to is that uh, operationally, they're making decisions as to what, what, what to um, observe, you know? And uh, to that end, then you start making decisions as to what, what to uh, measure and uh, store. Uh, a lot of times people will say, well, we have this data. Let's see if we can do something with it. Well, you still have to ask yourself, what do you want to do? You, you can't just throw machine learning algorithms at, at something without some goal in mind, you know? So I found that, um, I got that from the article, basically. Yeah, and I put the link 
of the article in the comments, but for those who will hear this later on on our podcast, you can find it under itprotoday.com. So well, thank you everybody for joining us for the Deconstructing Data Podcast. Believe it or not, it's 501. I can't believe it. I have the hard job of stopping the conversation every week. But, um, you know, in conclusion, you know, in closing, we wanted to let the viewers know that we are on more channels now. So not only can you find us on podcasts, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, I mentioned Spotify, Salescast, there's a few others. So you can go to our website, bdex.com, find all of our new channels, including TikTok, Josh. So um, yeah, you'll want to check out some of those video clips there of the Deconstructing Data podcast. Um, Also, if you found this interesting, you might also find OmniIQ very interesting. Um, So if you're on bdex.com, just click on the Try OmniIQ for free button and you simply upload a CSV file of your first party customer data, first party voter data, whatever uh, data you have with emails or PII. There's a couple other ways you can match it, but we'll give you complimentary analytics that includes gender, household income, and birth year on your first party data. So it does all that and more. If you need to check it out, we would love it. Please be sure to leave any feedback. Um, There is a place in the app to share feedback on it. Um, And it's still being molded. It's new. So, you know, your feedback is really impactful right now. So we'd really appreciate anyone getting in there, clicking around and letting us know what you think. And also, we'd love to hear from listeners. So if you have any feedback about the Deconstructing Data podcast, please let us know. Reach out to info at bdex.com and share your qualitative data with us. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Um, Really appreciate all of your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to close us out here. Bye-bye.